there are some lies in our science books. Taught it for 15 years. Even though I'm not teaching it anymore, I still like to study. It's so many neat things to learn. We're going to cover some of that tonight. Perception is being managed. We are being steered and guided by a hidden hand. The whole world has been duped by the media that is not real. <laughs> smart thinking, possible time traveler, smart thinking. That night, boom, contact memory. And then, Alex, if you don't agree, you'll be sent to a re-education camp. Just because I'm old doesn't mean I've lost my touch with the ladies. Experts are suggesting that we're in a golden age of shape-shifting reptilian sightings. Now, why is that? I was, and still am, a huge conspiracy guy. I literally ran out of new tin hat topics to research. It was most definitely not capable of melting steel. Then I would be a crackpot if I thought that was that was the, the case. Thought that was that was the, the case. Welcome to the Hypothetical Institute, a podcast about conspiracies. He's Cam. He's Robbo. And he's Salty. Yeah. Oh, you did mix it up. I on did us. mix it up. Salty picked up straight away. It took you a little bit. I knew. No, it didn't take me a bit to work out what was going on. I was just like, oh no, which one is Salty going to say? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what are we talking about today? That's, the point of introducing ourselves is so they know which voice belongs to which person. Yeah, so they hear yours and they're like, who's that? And I say, he's Cam. And then they hear mine, like, well, who's that? And then he says... Well, they know who you are. Yeah. What if Salty had been like, and that's Cam? And I'd be like, oh, and that's <laughs> Robbo. <laughs> what if thrown the whole thing into disarray? But it didn't because Salty knew what he was doing. All right. Listeners, I hope you know whose voices are whose. <laughs> but no, because you went, that's... Cam. He's Cam. Yeah. And you went, he's low. Oh, yeah. That yeah. did work right. Yeah. yeah. All right. Good on you. Jeez, don't question my genius. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a podcast innovator. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I wonder if there's a reason why no one else does this. Anyway, <laughs> uh, on today's show, we're talking about a couple of things. We're going to be discussing Australian and New Zealand prime ministers. Mm-hmm. And we're also going to be talking about the Philadelphia Experiment where the streets have no name. Yeah. I have a little factoid into a British Prime Minister as well. We can throw any later into the mix. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. A little bit of a tease. Bit of a, a bit of a tidbit. Yeah. All right. Let's start with the PMs. All right. Yeah, but where do we start with the PMs? What do you got? All right. I think we should start with where we began, which okay. is uh, this idea was implanted in our heads, a little bit of predictive programming yep. from a listener, Ben Hickey, who uh, is a friend of the show. If you look at... Look up his writing online. I think it's like benjaminhickey.com or .net or something is his website. Maybe even a .org, hmm. even though he's not strictly an organisation. Oh. Uh, but he also has a podcast called Ben Splaining. You can look up on iTunes. But he asked, hey, guys, or something along those lines. <laughs> you're, not, fe- you're not reading it. Hey, fellas. Uh, have, can you have a look at uh, the theory that Gough Whitlam was deposed by the CIA in the uh, 1975 dismissal. Mm. And he was of the view that it was the sort of thing that, you know, he might have believed a little bit. Yeah. But maybe that was just like his sort of internal biases sort of pushing 
him in that direction. Mm. So we're like, all right, let's look at Whitlam. And then we're like, well, as long as we're looking at Whitlam, we might as well look at some other PMs. You can't mm. leave bloody Harold Holt out of this kind yeah. of discussion, can you? No. no. But we'll start with Whitlam. Mm-hmm. So Whitlam, the dismissal, 1975. I'm by no means a history buff. <laughs> but basically the story is uh, the Whitlam government was in a bit of trouble. Mm. Uh, there'd been a big scandal called the uh, the Loans Affair, which basically came about there was like a minister in the Whitland government who had had this idea for this huge nation-building infrastructure project. It was going to be absolutely massive and it was going to, it was going to save Australia. It was going to turn everything around. Sounds, sounds good. It was like, I think there was like unemployment was high, you know, th- things weren't, you know, tracking great. Mm-hmm. And he came up with this amazing scheme. The 60s were over. Yes, they were. Yeah. <laughs> it was very much the 70s. Yep. We were in in that in-between point between the swinging 60s and, you know, the go-go 80s yeah. when no one knew what was going on. Yeah, just like, cocaine everywhere. Are we swinging or are we go-going? Constant struggle with me every I day. I need to know what pants to put on. <laughs> the swinging pants or my go-go pants? You only have two pairs as well. <laughs> well, no, there's a third pair, but I won't mention them. So they'd come up, he'd Cam come up with this uh, way to finance this which was going to cost $4 billion. Yep. And uh, Which in the 70s is quite a stack of cash. It's a fair bit. And it's still quite a, quite so a stack of cash healthy, now. healthy chunk of cabbage. Yeah, definitely yep. a healthy chunk of cabbage. So normally with something like that, oh, that's tickled. You fancy, has it? It's healthy. <laughs> this little cabbage thing. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, Sorry, continue. Sorry for calling out your fancy ticklage. <laughs> <laughs> so normally to finance that sort of thing, you know, they take out a loan. Yep. And so that went through like the loans board or like the part of the, the bit of the government that was like, we'll take care of the loans, don't worry about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they were like, let's not go through them. Let's go through this guy that has been introduced to us by a builder in Adelaide. <laughs> Yep. His name is, uh, I think it's Kirith Klamani. His nickname was Old Rice and Monkey Nuts. He was a Pakistani <laughs> financier and he almost exclusively ate potato chips and peanuts. Where does the rice come from then? Is the rice just racist? I think the rice was just a bit of racist. Yeah. yeah. The whole thing actually sounds pretty racist. Well, the monkey, because peanuts are the monkey nuts. Yeah. So he's always scoffing peanuts. So they're like, all mm. right, that's fair enough. That's the least racist bit of this nickname. Mm. Yeah. I'm going to say the old rice bit was super racist. So monkey nuts, yeah. when I was a kid, you used to get monkey nuts. It was peanuts that were still in their shell. Yeah. Is that what we all accept as being what monkey nuts are? No, first time I've heard of this. Really? Yeah. Must be an Australian thing. Yeah. So he was always smashing them. Yeah, he loved them. Anyway, the other thing about him, besides this fun little quirk, is he was probably a con man. <laughs> and... When it came time to like head over to Zurich to check out the bank accounts that all this money was in. So this $4 billion was like coming from like Arab petro money and uh, which was not, you know, it was not the normal thing. Normally they'd go to like the US or something for these loans. Not so much to be like going to, you know, the, the Arabs for this. And he was like the middleman. But when it came time to like go over to Switzerland and check out the bank accounts or whatever, he was like, oh, me bloody passport's expired or something. There's a lot of excuses for right. why they couldn't go and check it out. And they basically got to the point where 
if they'd gone like a tiny step further in proceedings, they would have found that there was no money. There was none of this $4 billion, which was also didn't have to be paid back to like the 90s where it would be like a $35 billion debt. Basically, they would have ended up with no money, but they would have still had to pay out commissions. Oh, uh, okay. And so he would have made like $100 million, him and his little cabal, which also included, there was like someone else who was going to profit was like the son of a minister. So it was this huge controversy. They got caught out. Some of them had tried to lie their way out of it and then, then like the press had all of these documents that proved their involvement. People resigned, which is weird if you look like it politics in Australia now, you're like, no one would have resigned if this happened no. this year. Politicians uh, are, yeah, seem least likely to resign these days. Yeah. So that's happened. So th- they're already on really shaky ground. Everything else is a little bit cooked and the opposition blocks supply in the Senate, I think. Okay. <laughs> this is where <laughs> this is where I'm sort of relying on year 11 Australian history. Okay. Uh, but, but they block supply, uh, which means that uh, in about four weeks the money is going to run out for like all federally funded services. So John Kerr, the Governor General, makes the call that he is going to employ a uh, never before used little uh, trick that he's got up his sleeve that the Governor General has the ability to dismiss the government and call an election, which he does. And he sets uh, Malcolm Fraser up as the caretaker prime minister while they're uh, going to get that election sorted out. Mm. So he does that on the 11th of November, 1975. Why are you looking at me? Some, some, Robbo, you remember this from, <laughs> from Australian history? So, yeah, on the 11th of November, 1975, he dismissed the government and... Uh, Installed the uh, the Fraser Malcolm Fraser as a caretaker PM mm-hmm. in the lead up to the the next election, and then at that election, Labor got trounced. They they were going to sort of use this as like that was going to be their big strategy. Mm. That people are like, oh, this is not right. It's a big. He had his big uh, maintain the rage sort of thing, but unfortunately, the rage was not maintained, mm. and uh, yeah, the Liberals took power. So. The people were unhappy with what the governor general had done. Yeah, I mean, but it turns out they weren't because they, they voted in. Yeah, people liberals like, again, and it, it was something that hadn't been used before. It was like it was always sort of an option. I, like I read a John Pilger thing mm. all about this, where it was like referred to it as being like an archaic law. Just like, well, firstly, it's nineteen seventy five, so Australia's only been, yeah, you know. A federation. It's not like they've still got laws about stealing someone's goat on the path or anything. Well, they probably do, but I mean, Australia's only been, the Constitution's only been a thing for 74 years yeah, at yeah. this point. So it's not that archaic. Yeah. Living memory. It's probably archaic in that it probably harkens back to some some law about the king of the Britons being able to overthrow some sort of duke in a duchy somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> but like the, the whole thing. Duke in a duchy? Yeah. The, the governor, he, he oldie things. <laughs> the governor general like had had to like approve things. Yeah, and this was just the opposite. Yeah. So yeah. So is the conspiracy that? What's the conspiracy? Here? Well, here's the thing. This is where all right. Malcolm uh, Gough Whitlam has come out on yeah. the steps. Yeah. There's that bloody comedian bloke. Yeah. 
asking asking some funny question. Immortalized. Yeah. What, what is this? Sorry, Norman Gunston. Okay. What did he ask him? Can't even remember. I just remember seeing him like being there. Yeah. Yeah. Whitlam's out on the steps. Mm-hmm. Famous saying, you know, God save the Queen. Though we may say God, God save, save the, the queen, queen, nothing will save the Governor General. Right. All right. Then suddenly, put in, can you put in a record scratch? Yeah. And then can you put in the second pausing? Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah. Rewind back. Yeah. And we see some fucking. Footage of John Kerr. We saw him walking down some hallway before to see Garfield Barwick to get advice about whether he could, uh, bloody dismiss the PM. Before we saw him just walking down, we were like, oh yeah, normal enough. Put in some heist music here. Now we see it from the other angle. Some CIA agent slipping a little piece of paper into his hand as they walk past him in the hallway. So the conspiracy is... (laughs) All right, so the Whitlam government had been beset by all these scandals and... The opposition, you know, blocking supply was, I guess, a legitimate thing that they could do Mm. and they did. Mm. But if you rewind the tape, John Kerr had like some sort of weird connections to the CIA. Mm. So he was like a member of the Centre for Australian Freedom, which was the CIA front group, which – or was a front group for the CIA, which was part of their sort of uh, Cold War cultural uh, program where they started all these magazines around the world. One of them was Quadrant, mm-hmm. you might recall, was in the news recently because a fucking editor wrote a piece saying like minutes after the Birmingham attack, oh, sorry, the Manchester attack, mm. saying, oh, if there was any justice in the world, it would have happened in the Q&A studio. But back then they were less that sort of crazy and more part of the CIA's plan to convince liberals around the world that communism wasn't the cool cult. Yeah. yeah, if you wanted cool culture, you didn't have to become a communist. You could just be part of, you know, liberal democracy can be cool too. Yeah, We can have poetry magazines that aren't commie. I wonder what the poems looked like at that time. Oh, they would have. They're all shit poems like modern poetry. Hmm. Anyway, so there's that going on. He's got like these sort of weird connections with the CIA through that. He'd always been sort of an anti-communist, so he came up in the Labor Party. Hmm. When the Labor Party split between the sort of right-wing Catholics and the like, the more commie left, both sides approached him right. to be like on their side, and he didn't want to go with the right wing because they were too sectarian and he didn't want to go to the left wing because they were too commie. He'd um he'd been like a union lawyer or like helping like workers whose unions were like going a bit too communist. Yeah. Which is, you know, not great but whatever. But he'd been, yeah, he, the ALP is a broad church. So he'd been in the ALP but after like both, after that split he sort of let his membership lapse. But he was put into the Governor General position by Whitlam. Right. Because, you know. He wanted him in there. So the conspiracy though is, so they've got this CIA asset in place, but they don't need to do anything with him. The conspiracy is that Whitlam was about to shut down Pine Gap, Mm -hmm. which is a, I I think we discovered was an NSA. It's like a big surveillance Surveillance station Mm. from the Snowden things, but we always knew it was a bit sus. It was a US military base 
add in the NT. Mm. Um, he was going, he was asking too many questions about it. Apparently he was about to reveal that like the head of that base was a CIA agent and he was going to name him in parliament. And they're like, we can't have this. Mm. So there's this national security crisis going on. Also, they were a bit dark on him, on Labor in general because they're like too close to like Eastern Europe and China and stuff. Commie countries. Yeah, they're getting a little, getting a little commie and they're a little bit worried. Yeah. So they're like, but we've got this crisis. We can't have him naming this guy that like, I don't know, maybe it's the benefit of hindsight, but if you were to say to me, do you reckon the head of Pine Gap is like, probably a CIA guy, I'd be like, yeah, of course he is. It's kind of what they do. <laughs> Why wouldn't he be? Like he's either a CIA guy or he's an NSA guy, right? Yep. Anyway, he was apparently this was a big thing that he was going to name him, so they had to stop that from happening. Yep. So they had to manufacture this supply crisis to cover the real crisis, which was the national security crisis. Where do you land on all this? Look. I was when I'm reading like the John Pilger thing mm. where he like outlines all of these connections that uh, John Kerr had to the CIA there was a bit more than just the magazine thing. Yeah. I'm like, "Oh yeah, of course." But then like you read about like this loan thing and like some of the other scandals that were going on, you're like, "Fuck, you guys were cooking it a bit, eh?" <laughs> <laughs> and it's sort of the idea, like the idea that he was planted there to do, like so they would have a trigger to pull if they needed to, mm. I don't think is feasible. Like it requires too much stuff. And in the end it was his decision, unless it wasn't, unless he was just ordered to. But uh, I think, yeah, it requires too much stuff going on. Like you've got to set up all of these events in his life which led him to being amenable to pulling that trigger. So, oh, sorry. And, and then you've got to set up this whole supply thing that allows you to do it. I think it's just, it was too much stuff and like to not a great game. So, while this is all happening, yeah, in New Zealand, yes, at the same time, uh, so I read the, the Opal Files, which is this allegedly document allegedly outlining all the conspiracies happening in Australia and New Zealand, mostly on New Zealand, about how the world governments are going to take over our resources, yeah. Centered around the Great South Basin, where they allegedly found these um, oil reserves yep. via satellite in the '60s, which I don't think was even possible. But no. uh, that's harp. Yeah, <laughs> when they're looking for the tunnels. Um, and so they, various sort of governments and CIA people, conspired. Uh, the World Banking Mafia, Rothschild, were involved to open up banks and somehow take all New Zealand's resources. Yeah. Uh, the prime minister at the time, Norman Kirk, the Great Totara. Big, big man, hefty man. Yeah. Uh, he died uh, two years into his term. He was a man of the people. Uh, it was very anti-nuclear testing and the thing. Uh, and he died of, I think, a heart attack or something. Or CIA poisoning. Yes. The theory is that the CIA poisoned him after an overseas trip because he was asking too many questions and, and not going with the narrative. Uh, him and Whitlam were, were involved and they were both against things. In reality, Norman Kirk was very unhealthy. Doctors, he'd been in and out of doctors with heart problems for a while. But CIA, oh, the thing is that it, I don't think the one world government's taken over all the resources yet. 
No, well, what they're resources still, were they yeah. going to take for New Zealand? Dave Dobbin albums and Dave Dobbin bottles of LMP. <laughs> I don't think Dave Dobbin was alive at Jelly that point. Top chocolate. It would have been alive. Jelly yeah. Top, yeah. Pineapple lumps. Pineapple lumps. Um, I mean, all of our resources in Australia is only just going to China now, aren't they? It's the opposite of the world government at the time. So, sorry, go ahead. That's all I really have. Uh, to be honest, Prime Minister's, I don't know, they're just kind of involved in boring stuff. Cam, what did you have on it? Well, so to answer your question though, like when I'm reading like a John Pilger thing, I'm like, the fucking bastards did him in. But then like you read all of the stuff, like all the dodgy shit that they managed to get themselves involved in. You're like, you weren't doing, you weren't, this wasn't going well. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, even if this hadn't, like, I don't think that this thing where, I definitely don't think this thing that where they had to stop him from naming some CIA agent had mm. to happen. Yeah. Because it's like I feel like at the next election they would have just lost anyway. Like the fact that they couldn't win an election on the back of being kicked out in such a dodgy way. Like, Says they're probably going to lose. Yeah. It was all over Red Rover. Um, you know, I'm sure that, you know, I'm sure they were had their fingers in some pies. Mm. Now, the other Prime Minister we need to talk about is Harold Holt. Before we just get on to that. Yeah. Here we go. With the whole Pine Gap thing, yeah. I think Whitlam is also like thinking about not renewing the lease on the land yeah. to America. Mm. Working into the old Harold Holt, apparently quite opposed to Pine Gap. Yes. Right. So who was Harold Holt? He was a good swimmer. Yep. Yep. He was our Prime Minister. Yep. Went what era? <clears throat> uh, before Whitlam. So he, yep. he died in 1967. Or did he? Did he? What? It's probably the most conspiracy laden of all of our prime ministers. Mm. He uh, went for a swim down at some rugged Victorian coastline. Swansea? Yeah, something like that. Something like that? Down went near f- Ocean Grove maybe? Went for a little uh, little dip. Yep. Gone. Never Gone. Came, never came back. Never came back. Nobody, nothing. So there's a few theories. Uh, one is that he was a Chinese spy. Mm-hmm. And that uh, you know the authorities were closing in; they were going to discover him. Yeah. So he had to make a run for it. So swim for it. Swam out for, to a sub. Now that comes interestingly enough. That theory was started by a navy diver from you know the Australian Navy. They have these divers, mm. and this diver told some journalists this whole, or like this author, this whole story about how Harold Holt was a. Chinese spy and the, and about the sub and everything. We found another Navy diver yeah. with an alternative theory. So I, I, I was like, where's Cam going with this diver thing? Because is there another diver? Yeah. So that was one diver. He's got this Chinese sub theory, which I think is probably one of the conspiracy theories that has most captured the Australian imagination. Yeah. This idea that he went off or if not that he was a Chinese spy and he went off in the sub, I think people are like, oh, what if the Chinese nabbed him nabbed him in a sub and they've taken him off? Took him away for some bloody communist brainwashing. Yeah. yeah. So there's a before we get onto this other Navy diver, there's also a theory that like he faked his death and that he like went and lived in France with uh, his lover. His mistress. Apparently Zara Holt said something about this Chinese thing. <laughs> yeah. She was like, Chinese sub? He didn't even like Chinese food. <laughs> Classic. Yeah, that is good. But meanwhile, he's like, fucking all I want is some chow mein. Yeah. 
in the bloody south of France with me missus, me other missus. Who's probably his other missus was probably Chinese. Yeah. He was like, you can't be saying shit like that about me. Yeah. So now he's off in bloody Marseille. Yeah. Cooking up some French Chinese fusion cuisine. Yeah, bloody exo snails. Beautiful. <laughs> Malta bene, Robo. I say that, that bit. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, I think that that's really captured the Australian imagination because people are like, that's a bit weird. I mean, he's a prime minister at the time that disappeared. Yeah. So that, that's, there's always going to be conspiracies about that, right? Yeah. But we found this other Navy diver. He's got a whole website. His website, whole is, website. is cooked. Crazy. Right. It's, uh, it's harold-holt.net. I think he used to have- He used to have haroldholt.net. Yeah. But it got taken down. Did you see what happened to it though? It's, it's really unclear what actually happened. But so he's got this website. It's got all of his cooked theories. He's got all of this stuff all over it, which really frustratingly, he keeps on invoking the second law of the universe and he never explains what that is. Yeah. But does, I th- he, does he explain the first law? No, he doesn't. No laws. He has this thing where he'll like mention the, that he's invoking the second law of the universe and he links to this page on his site which is like titled second law and then you go to that and it doesn't explain what it is at all and it's just him invoking it again. With his letter to the PM. And yeah, he's got a letter to when John Howard was prime minister which he also includes like the uh, – the US like, consulate and stuff like that. Yeah, but he also includes like the receipts. Yeah. So he's got a, he sent it registered post, so they had to like sign for it at a Kirribilli house or whatever. Yeah. And he's like, well, so he got it. <laughs> but in this letter to the Prime Minister, he even more frustratingly invokes it again. Yeah. And then he's like, if you but then he's like, if you don't know what I'm talking about, ask your controllers. Which is fine for John Howard. He knows who his controllers yeah, are. Yeah, yeah. But, but for us. It could be anyone. Yeah. I could be your controller. You yeah. wouldn't know I'm subliminally making you do things. So that's frustrating. But uh, he has this whole website. Yeah, the thing with his old website getting shut down is it looks like maybe there was a, a server failure or something. Right. And he's like tried to email them. I bet he's just emailed like the wrong people. Yeah. And he's like. Worked that into some big conspiracy against his website, and he's just started it again with a dash in the URL. And it's like, don't you think if they were trying to shut this down, they'd just shut it down, or they'd just kill you? So he's he was like a navy. What was what does he call? It? What was his? He was a navy diver, a too. navy recovery diver, or cleanup diver, or something like that. Yeah. yeah. His claim that he's put on a signed affidavit. Wow. Is that? Which is sent to everybody in the world. When there was, I think, semi recently, there was a inquest into Howard Holt's death, where they Harold Holt, Howard Holt, <laughs> cut that. There was an inquest into his death where they were like, "Okay, we've decided he drowned. Yeah. Official, it's official. He's drowned." Yeah. Before when that inquest was announced, this guy sent this big thing out to everyone, going, "Look." I know you're about to do an inquest. If you need to ask me anything, here's my details. Here's my signed affidavit that I've sent everyone that says I was involved in this. Yeah. Here it all is, legally signed. Yeah. Get in touch. It's a legal affidavit. It's a legal like, And he sat there probably watching his phone <laughs> for the whole time. <laughs> Nothing happened. Yeah. Yelling at his wife, get yeah. off the phone. Yeah, what are you doing? They're going to ring. Don't go online now. They <laughs> yeah. might ring. Bit of a old timey. Internet joke. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Classic late 90s internet humor. Yeah. So uh, 
in it, he says that he was a Navy diver, but at some point in the past, he was responsible with going to Harold Holt's house and getting his body, his kill, his assassinated body, and taking it out onto a fishing boat. Well, I don't know why to dump it in the sea but they, or whatever. They, he didn't take it out onto the boat. He swam the body out. Right. So he had to swim the body out, and this is why they needed him because he was the best swimmer in the Navy divers. So he swam the body out. He swam it down. He tied it to, like, the bottom, and then the idea was that that rope was going to fray or break or whatever. The body would come up. They'd find the body. They'd be like, oh, he's died swimming, but the plan went wrong. The rope never broke. So he's still tied up down there. Yeah. So then he's come back onto the fishing boat, which is, like, not really clear why... They couldn't just take a boat out there. He's gone on the boat. They've taken the boat back to shore. They've said, don't ever talk about this. By the way, you, you don't really know what's going on. You've been brainwashed. So we don't need to tell you not to talk about it. Uh, enjoy the chip in your neck. See you later. <laughs> That's right. They put a chip in his neck. Yeah. Next time he sees the boat, it's when he's being taken out to go burn it. They scuttled the boat. Why would they take him out to scuttle the boat? Well, the boat's evidence. Why would they? Why would they need him there? To- <laughs> <laughs> he's evidence. Not only is he evidence, he's bloody dangerous evidence. He's put signed affidavits all over they, the world. <laughs> they thought he was on the boat. They were just down there. Yep, we finally like put that one to bed. And yeah. He's like, yeah, we did, guys. <laughs> ah, he's still here. <laughs> Can't get rid of him. Uh, what do you guys think happened to Harold Holt? Well, there's more to this guy. Oh, okay, there's more to this. Gary Simmons is his name. So he also has this thing where the government put like some sort of alien implant in his Yeah, neck. he's got all these. He's got what? All these. He's got a photo of a, a CT scan of his head where there's a couple of little weird looking bits that he points to as being illegal technology that's been implanted in his his throat and his spine. Right. Now I think that the um, that might be part of rule two or the law, the second law of the universe, might be that you're not allowed to put like technology that's not of this earth. On to Earth yeah, maybe. or something. Anyway, also on his site, he has a few articles from like cooked Queensland far-right publications that have interviewed him. One of them was from like the uh, the Nation, which was the official One Nation newspaper. And I, oh, I was so excited when I saw this because I, I was like, oh, this is from the Nation. I sort of remember that from back in the day. And I saw the uh, the author of these articles was Carl Thompson. I was like, I know you. He was like this crazy neo-Nazi who went by, I think his name was like Howling Dog 88 or something right. on Stormfront. And, uh, yeah, he got into a bit of trouble because it's like you can't have like the editor of the One Nation newspaper be an actual neo-Nazi when you're trying to present this <laughs> <laughs> facade of being like, oh, we're just a bit upset. So that was good. But, uh, yeah, he had a two-part series on Harold Holt. The first part was with interviewing this Gary guy, the the Navy diver, and the reason sort of given was that he was about to similarly blow open Pine Gap Mm. and so that's why he had to be assassinated and then, you know, taken out. But it's like you're reading this and you're like, look, I know you guys are a bit fucking cooked in one nation, Mm. but, like, was no one, like, questioning... This whole, like, this guy's clearly not well. Yeah. This story is clearly just massively deluded. Was Pauline Hanson not like, what are we doing? 
Although there are many one people connected to One Nation who are from all over the place. Like I think they just, all right, you're part, you want to be part of our party and yeah. you've got some crazy ideas. Yeah. I don't know, whatever, you do that. It's a broad church of cookness, but it's like, fuck, this is so cooked. Yeah. It's like, and I understand that the person writing this article is like an insane neo-Nazi, but it's like, this is cooked. <laughs> We're... And but this is the editor, so I guess there's no editorial oversight. Anyway, part two explained further. So this Pine Gap thing is like one thing. Yeah. But then there's this other guy that was like, uh, Harold Holt was about to take us nuclear. Okay. Not in terms of, you know, the bomb, mm. but we were going to go into nuclear power and the Rockefellers and the uh, New World Order couldn't have that because all of their wealth is wrapped up in the petrodollar. So they couldn't have us going nuclear and yeah. that's why... The CIA was apparently funding like Greenpeace and the Friends of the Earth and like Aboriginal land rights groups. Also WWF. Yeah. So they're funding all of these people because they're all opposing uranium mining. Yeah. And so it's stopping that. But then it got to the point where Harold Holt just had to be taken out of the equation because <laughs> he was like, he's like, I love the atom too much. He's married to the atom. Yeah. So so where do we stand on Harold Holt? He well, drowned. He went swimming and he drowned. One one question, like they killed him in his house and then swam out. Yeah. Did they drown him in his house? Like I feel like even in the 60s if you pull someone up out of the water and they've been killed by like a bloody CAA shot into the back of the head, mm. it's going to be pretty obvious. So they no. do they drown him. Like how, how much in the 60s does an autopsy show you? So if they drown him in his bath. And then, like, they do an autopsy and, like, well, that's bloody fresh water. It's bath water in his lungs. Yeah. yeah maybe like, a bit of sneaky poison, though. He's poison. We can just tell from our autopsy. I don't, I don't know what an autopsy, like, in the 60s would look like. I don't I'm know sure they had now. probably had some sort of cooked poison that just dis- disintegrated or would have been damaged by the salt water. Maybe. Well, I, yeah, I feel like, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I feel like they probably could have told and then it would have been a situation where they had to have the autopsy guy be on board. Yeah. You're forgetting yeah. one thing though. They never found his body. Yeah. Yeah. So they could have just buried him in the forest and said that. Yeah. Yeah. Incinerator, you probably, if you're in the CIA, you could swing some money from incinerator, right? Yeah. It's like, I don't want to nitpick this guy's theory, which is otherwise rock solid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it sort of worked out better that they never found it. Yes. Because it didn't matter. Yeah. Anyway. Anything else on Prime Ministers? Not really. Have you got John Key? I guess that he's a CIA agent. Yeah. It's all pretty boring. What's backing that up? I don't know. Banking ties or some shit. All right. Uh, I looked at it and he just kind of got bored. The the video that I watched had some sweet music behind it. That's about it really. Is John Key Jewish? Do people have it in for him over that? I think that's come up before but I'm not 100% sure. Like I'm sure I've seen some stuff about John Key. Like some weird anti-Semitic stuff about him. Yeah. I don't think so though because like there's not many, not a big Jewish population in New Zealand. There's a couple of videos about Tony Abbott being a lizard. Well, that's no doubt. Yeah. There's no need to really debate that one. Oh, yeah. And there was also the thing about Tony Abbott being this British citizen. Yes. Which we've discussed before. Yes. On the, uh, <clears throat> the video of Tony Abbott's lizard eyes, Someone said it was the same the other night with Bronwyn Bishop when she was on TV. You should have seen it. Her hologram was sliding all over the screen. Whoa, all over the screen. <laughs> um, John Key was Jewish or it still is Jewish. Uh, I think he's the third Jewish prime minister. Hang on, where am I? 
that was someone made that comment. Why is a Jew controlling New Zealand? In regards to harp, I think I made that comment. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. So in regards to harp, you relayed that comment that someone else made. Yeah, I didn't make that comment. I read that comment out that was made by someone else. So yeah, I can't I can't work out who the He's the son of a Jewish refugee from Europe. So there you go. I was going to dip my toes into a UK Prime Minister briefly. One uh, Winston Churchill. Heard of him. Winston Churchill was apparently big on on aliens. Oh, yeah. Before, like, science was going, well, planets need to be this far away from a sun to be in a habitable zone, all that kind of stuff. Churchill was writing essays about it. Saying, you know, there's twin stars out there. Why can't there be other planetary systems? Hmm. He wrote heaps of shit about it. I wrote a quote from him. I am not immensely impressed by... No, well, he said, I'm not so immensely impressed by the success we are making of our civilization here that I'm prepared to think we are the only spot in this universe which contains living thinking creatures or that we are the highest type of mental and physical development in the vast compass of space and time. Pretty fucking epic thinking. I think so. Yeah, and if you've ever watched Ooh, gonna do if that. you've watched that Netflix show The Crown, he's getting all of this guff from that lizard bitch. The Queen? Yeah. He knew. He's like, oh, you bloody reptilian. We will never surrender. We're back talking about the Philadelphia experiment. Not just a bit of bloody cream cheese going wrong. No. Or does anyone else have any other? Uh, Tom Hanks movie? It's a little dark. Uh, The Philadelphia experiment. What is it? Who is it? Oh, I'm not doing that. You're actually genuinely asking. Yeah, what is it? So this one was one of my favourites when I was a kid. Yeah. Uh, reading some like paranormal books, probably, mm-hmm. high, probably borrowed from the library, school library when I was a youngster. Yep. And so basically in the 40s, the US government was doing experiments on naval ships, uh, trying to make them invisible. And one of them was sent to another dimension in this process where it came back uh, after they'd been and, and met some aliens, also just transported to a different place. But when they came back, they people were like embedded in the in the hull of the ship. Yeah. Like half their body was through the cast iron and they were all suffering or their arm was stuck in a wall. Yeah. Some of them came back inside out. Some of them came back just their minds were just gone. Yeah. Okay. Everyone came back cooked. Cooked. Either physically or mentally. Yeah. Badly done. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently they didn't do it ever again because obviously once you end up with people inside out. You don't really want to do it again. Mm. Or did they do it again and that's what 9-11 was? Yeah. They didn't do it again or so we thought. Yeah. So. What did we find out about it? Well, it's so cooked. So there was this uh, author called Morris K. Jessup. Yep. Who wrote a book called The Case for the UFO. He was like UFO buff. And he wrote this book and it's all about how UFOs might work or something. Anyway, he gets a letter from Carlos Allende. 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 
who is some bloke who's like, look, you got to hear about this bloody Philadelphia experiment they did. They took this ship, the USS Eldridge, they tried to make it invisible and, you know, they cooked it. Yeah. And Jessup's like, come on, dude, that's cooked. Unlike my thing, which is fine. Well, his thing (laughs) is, wasn't his thing theorising how alien propulsion systems would work? Yeah. So it was, you know, in that realm but from a a reasonably scientific angle. Yeah, it was not the most cooked perspective Mm. on Mm. things. He's like, look, Blake, you're too cooked. Next minute, ring, ring, ring. Gets a call on the old telephone. Yep. The operators put someone through because yep. this is the 60s. It's the Office of Naval Research. They're like, g'day, Office of Naval Research here. Uh, you're Morris K. Jessup, yeah? He's like, yep. And they're like, someone sent us your book. He's like, great. Hope you found the uh, UFO propulsion stuff really interesting. They're like, what we found interesting was someone had sent us an annotated copy of your book with like three different people all writing in different pens, mm. stuff in the margins, all about this Philadelphia experiment. It's like, what a weird way to write down about something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway, they'd gotten this whole thing which had the whole story, you know, about the Eldridge. And they're like, do you know anything about it? He's like, yeah, some dude sent me a letter about it. Fucking leave me alone. Yeah. Now at that point, you'd think the Office of Naval Research would be like, all right, it's the swinging 60s. We've got some LSD to do. Yeah. Or, you know, there's people doing LSD. Yeah. It's fine. Let's just put this book in like a file somewhere. File under Seaver Cooked. Yep. Put it in a wooden crate. Put it next to the Ark. Yeah. Yes. Instead, they were like, let's make 100 copies of this book. I guess in case there's anything that we need to know, we can just get people to like read it. Yes. And they don't have to take turns with this one copy that we've got. It's not like we can upload it to our SharePoint site. No. SharePoint doesn't exist yet. No. They have to Share, invent Share, SharePoint first. Yeah. SharePoint is years away. And then they- A well, couple of years. They load up SharePoint. They're like, why would we design something so terrible? Yeah. We should design something good. Yeah. Why don't we use like just a wiki? Yeah. We could have just used a wiki. It's open source. <laughs> it's, it's handy. Wiki. Yeah. Anyway, fucking SharePoint. Yeah. <laughs> Just use a Google Doc. Just use a Google Doc. Yeah. They could They probably invented the Google Doc by that point. Yeah. The CIA had at least. Anyway, as good as all the SharePoint bit stuff is. Yes. Uh, they made a hundred copies of this annotated version of the book. And I guess some of them got out mm. into the world. And that's where it sort of got out, got turned into a movie called The Philadelphia Experiment. And then also a, a movie called The Philadelphia Experiment 2. Oh, did we discuss this We last talked week? about that last week. Yeah. I don't think we talked about it on mic though. But no. The Philadelphia Experiment 2 was not really related to the thing. It was just a- Similar thing. They tried to do, it was in making stealth bombers invisible. Okay. They sent a bomber and a pilot back to Nazi Germany hmm, by course. mistake. Yeah, right. Convenient that he landed in Europe in Nazi Germany. Yeah. I guess With that American not- warplane. Yeah. yeah. I guess there wouldn't be a plot to the movie. I can't remember so. the, whether he was just like, oh, well, I'm here. I might as well fuck shit up in this yeah. B-tour bomber I've got. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah. you've seen it? I saw it when I was younger. Yeah. yeah. So that got out and it sort of became quite popular. Mm-hmm. And eventually a weird little book with it in it made its way to Westport Library. Yep. Where mm-hmm. you read it. I read it. So I, I like the artist's rendition of people stuck half in like a cast iron wall. I'd like yeah. to draw that. Yeah, yeah. It was pretty sweet. I mean, not for them. 
No. But they don't exist because it was just a drawing, so it wasn't a real person. So I think the general consensus is that none of this happened. Yes. So there was a thing, though, with the ships. So they were doing this thing where they were trying to make their ships invisible to, like, mines. Yeah, so there's torpedo radar and stuff. Degaussing, degaussing, which is... So do that to your monitor. Yeah, removing all the, the magnetic field. Yeah. So that was kind of the, the the reasoning, and then in this process, they realised that they're actually making things invisible, uh, and a green fog was appearing around the ships. Yeah, but there is actually they were actually in real life they tried to do this thing. I think they probably succeeded. Yeah, in doing this thing, and it's just someone has been like down the pub. Oh, we made our bloody ship invisible today, and meanwhile, Carlos Allende is like, oh really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, his story was he was apparently on a boat. And saw the ship disappear. Yeah. And come back. He Which didn't happen. (laughs) Like that didn't happen. Do you know who else was on the boat? Who? Albert Einstein. Yeah, Tesla was pretty heavily involved as well. Unified field theory, which is one of old Ali's theories. Yeah. So they're testing that out. And Allende, Allende, sorry, when the boat disappeared, there was a force field coming out from it. And you could see the force field. And he reached in and touched it and got like a kick, like a jolt. Yeah. And Albert Einstein came up and he's like, well, what, what did you see? How did it feel? Like what was, you know, tell me. And Albert Einstein was a little bit like, you know, unsure of Allende until he realised that um, Allende, and this is out of quote from him, he realised I did it out of deep scientific curiosity. He spent time with me. And they became friends. Yeah. And he taught Albert Allende, uh, sorry, Allende all about uh, unified theory and physics. Yeah. Uh, so now he's he became an expert on it. Yeah, so this sounds like fanfic. Yes. <laughs> I, I guess I have the idea of like Albert Einstein's just seen him and gone, oh, this guy must like be so super deep because he tried to touch a fucking force field. Uh, wouldn't, wouldn't you like – who amongst us would not touch a force field? I'd be straight into it. Yeah. I'd, put oh, I'd probably throw me, something at it first. I'd put more than me fucking arm into it, I'll tell you that. Your butt. Put your butt in there. Anyway. So the stories are that also Tesla was involved yeah, in that he built like the massive generators that powered the things because they rubbed the hull in cables or something and it was Tesla's machines that blasted the electricity out there. Yeah. He was all into that kind of thing. Yeah. I don't know much about Tesla. I know that people like him. I think the general thing is that like people think Tesla had most of his shit stolen. Is that right? Yeah. By what's yeah. his face? Edison. Edison. Yeah, but uh, I mean – yeah, there's theories that maybe we'll talk about Tesla in another episode, but there's theories that like he invented like other stuff. Free power. Yeah. I think that's probably the main one. Uh. That he came up with some like sustainable free power source. Mm. Uh so yeah, the ship disappeared, it came back, apparently with all these people all wonky inside it, but in reality that probably never happened. Maybe I saw or did it. a video that was had some audio. Uh, I don't know who is actually speaking in the video. Yeah. Uh, but they. Was it like old timey audio? Al so. Bellic. Yeah, that guy. Who was that guy? He was on the ship. Okay. So he, did you see the reversed, they were, he was saying what was happening and then they reversed the audio in parts and it gave away little clues as to what was happening. So what was it? What did he say in the forwards audio? Um, well, coincidentally enough, one of them, the, the one that I noted down, because uh, he was like giving away all the secrets and he said um, he deliberately sabotaged the test. Someone someone had done that. And then when you reverse that, 
it sounds like sabotaged the vessel. So really, it was the same forward, <laughs> forward and backwards. Wait, how can it's the whole wizard? Yeah. Wait, um, what? Remember, if you reverse the letters of the alphabet and spell wizard out, it's oh, the yeah, same yeah. both ways. <laughs> we had a big chuckle about that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, like, he was holy shit. You remember? No, we never talked about this. We did. We had a big laugh because yeah. I was like, yeah, but everything you spell backwards is the same way backwards. If you reverse the entire alphabet, then wizard is the same backwards and forward. Yeah, like the the, the W yeah. lines up with the D in terms of where it sits in the alphabet. Yeah. That's not true for every word. No, just wizard. Just wizard. But at the time I was like, yeah, but if you reverse the letters of every word, it's the yeah. same backwards as, as like. Anyway. anyway. Anyway, so this guy was like. I have no memory of us discussing it. <laughs> <laughs> this guy I was just stepped out of the house and boom, <laughs> they got me. Uh, he, yeah, he was basically saying all the th- all the experiment like into the conspiracy theory. Exactly, you know, they did it and it was horrible and all this. And then if you reverse the audio, he's coming clean and saying they did it. Like, be saying it forwards anyway. Who gives yeah. a shit? Why did you, why did they need to backmask that? Yeah, uh, and like, there's another thing they said was. Main board on, all knobs there was in the audio behind. So that's pretty good evidence that uh, when he was saying they did it, that he actually was saying they did it. Right. So he- um, cunning. Yep. <laughs> so he reckons that what happens in the movie is pretty close to what actually happened. Right. He said, you know, they've embe- embellished a few things for Hollywood because they have to, but if, if you want to know what happened, basically- what happens in the movie is what happened on the day. So he also says that when they moved in time on the boat, him and his buddy jumped off the boat. Right. And landed in the year 2137. It's quite a jump. So they're like, oh, what's going on? We're floating through a big wormhole or something. And he was just made a like, Fucking, fuck this, let's get out of here. Jumped off the boat. We're like, suddenly we're in 2137. Where he had to spend six weeks in hospital mm. because he's just jumped off a boat. He's just mm. jumped off. He's just jumped through a space body. time vortex, yeah. Yeah. and he had all the radiation damage to his body and stuff. So he spent six weeks in that year. What? And then they couldn't just give him a radiation pill and fix him. Well, that's what they did. He's, but he was it took him six weeks to get better oh, there. Right. So it's a lot of medicine. It's not miracle workers. He said, "Well, it's future medicine." He uh, so he was there for six weeks, and four weeks of that was like unconscious in hospital. Yeah. Two weeks was in hospital. Okay, I never got to whether how he got back. Yeah, twenty one thirty seven. Whether they just like went back to where he disappeared and threw him back through the <laughs> the little portal yeah. or something. Yeah, <laughs> but um, he. There's an interview where he gets asked about a lot of questions about the future. What was it like? What do you remember? What's it like compared to now? Yeah. And most of his answers were- oh, I was in hospital. <laughs> I was in hospital, but TV looked pretty much the same. It was on yeah. a swivelly thing on the wall. I did see some stuff on the news where I saw a map of America and it looked quite different. A lot of the coastline was gone, changed. Ooh, global warming. Which is, you know, that's the, the whole eastern seaboard's going to fall off in an earthquake kind of thing. Yeah, and then he died in like 2001 or something like that. Was there any independent verification of if he was ever on a boat or was he ever in the navy? Not that I saw. His name was his actual name was Edmund Edward Cameron. Edward Cameron was his name. Oh but then yeah, he changed it to Al. Okay, that's Bellick. weird because Edward Cameron came up in some of the yeah. stuff that I was reading as well. 
but funnily, there was <laughs> there's a website called uh, Al Bellic Debunked, right? And it's <laughs> it's his story about the Philadelphia. This is what I I gathered from the brief look at I, I had a, I had of it. It's a whole website called that Al Bellic Debunked debunking his whole story about the Philadelphia experiment experiment. But I'm pretty sure the people who are debunking his story are like pro the Philadelphia yeah, you're experiment. Right. He's an idiot, he's wrong, here's the real story kind yeah, of Yeah, yeah. So like don't listen to that cooked guy's story about this cooked <laughs> thing. Here's the true story about it. I noticed that so when like the book like Carlos Allende's like version of this book came out. So it got like someone wrote a book about it based on that. Mm. And there was this whole thing about, you know, Carlos Allende, is he an alien or is he like a disinfo agent or what is he? We can't find him. He's impossible to find. And it's like some newspaper was like, all right, let's see if we can find him. And five minutes later, yeah, they're on the phone with him. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, he's a cooked unit or whatever. Yeah. Um, there was a bit, I did see there was a, a thing where maybe part of it was based on the ship going from wherever it had been and popping up somewhere else a lot sooner than people would have expected. Mm. So there was a, apparently there was a thing where they had secret channels that they were using to move their ships so mm. that they wouldn't be out in the open waters where they could get, you know, attacked by the bloody... Germans? Yeah. Whatever we call... What, what do we call Germans? Germans? The Kaisers? No. Johnny Kaiser? No. they Germans? No, I think it's... Uh, the Krauts. Krauts, there we go. Yeah. yeah. We didn't want the bloody Krauts... You know, tickling yeah. the undersides of our ships with their missiles. Short for sauerkraut. It's fermented cabbage. So they were using these secret channels. Mm. So you could have a situation where a ship could be at one spot in the morning and be much further away than it should have been by mm. the afternoon. Mm. And so maybe it was partially based on something like that happening. But again, it's the 40s. It's like is someone Snapchatting. Their mate back at the other dock and being like, hey, oh, didn't you <laughs> look at this bloody ship showing up? And they're like, that was here this morning. How's it got in there? By the way, here's how I look as a dog. Yeah. I don't, did you guys see much about the Montauk, about Project Montauk? Oh, it came up. Uh, the thing that I read mentioned that in relation to the Philadelphia experiment and then how they ended up being the, the end result of those was 9-11. Right. So that Al Bellic guy talked a lot about the other one as well. Yeah. So, so Project Montauk was like this, supposed to be this secret government base where I think it was a real government facility. It had like a big radar dish. So, you know, it looks all sus. And uh, they were doing all sorts of experiments there. And one of them was like some sort of time travel experiment. And that's what ended up being the Philadelphia experiment. But they also had some situation where they, they were opening up portals and like some monster came through and killed a bunch of scientists. Right. Which I think is basically sort of what Stranger Things is based on. Okay. But uh Oh, okay. So there's the whole the whole military theme. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The other thing about Montauk is that there's a modern sort of paranormally thing about Montauk, which is the Montauk monster. Mm. Which is this creature that washed up mm. on the shores. Oh, uh, it looks like a giant creepy possum thing. Yeah. Well, it looks it looks doesn't really look like anything in particular. Like you could sort of say, oh, it's a dog, but it's got like some sort of things that aren't quite like a dog. 
Or you could say it's a sheep, but it doesn't have hooves. Or you could say it's a raccoon, and it's clearly a big raccoon that's just, you know, decomposed a bit. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So that appeared in 2008. Mm. Identifications. Oh, yeah, I remember seeing that. And then I think maybe some other, like, things, like some raccoon family has come to a grisly end. They kept on washing up. So he's got a beak. I don't know if anyone's making the connection between that and like the monster stuff they were doing. Yeah, yeah. Project Montauk. Now, how did that relate to 9-11 or is that just? Just that, you know, they can teleport things and they teleported something into the thing. That's about it. They teleported planes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rather than just flying them into it. Well, yeah, it's probably easier that way. Or maybe they disappeared one plane and then replaced it with another. Yeah. And just shot everyone on the back of a hangar. Yeah. But again, that's just the easiest way to achieve 9-11 is to literally just fly a plane into a building. Yeah. Uh, anything Although else? On- we can say that with the benefit of hindsight. We know we know how easy it is to do a 9-11 now. Yep. Back then they're like, oh, how are we going to do this? Fucking- jet, jet fuel isn't going to melt those steel beams. What are we going to do? Yeah, they're like, going to open the Montauk project. Yep. We can't. The fucking monsters came through. Fucking open it. Yeah. We need to get this done. Anything anyway. else on Philadelphia Experiment? I think that's all I've got. Do you want to do some housekeeping? Yeah. And boy, boy howdy, we've got some housekeeping to do. All right, let's start with the boring housekeeping. Uh, correction from me. Yeah. In the last episode I was like talking about the uh, like the Bigfoot people in Mongolia mm-hmm. and I made a comment like oh, when white people showed up they were just like, Oh, you're you're just some sort of fauna or something. It's like no, it wasn't white people showing up in Mongolia. It was Mongols. Yep. So, I'll put my hand up. That that was me being a social justice warrior. Yep. <laughs> good, good one. Good correction. Uh, the Mongols could be just as racist as anyone. Yes. <laughs> uh, did anyone else have any other corrections before we get to the no. really meaty? No, I, I can think of. I back everything I say. Yeah. People are too scared to correct me online. Yeah. Are they? I don't know. We'll see after this uh-huh. week. Uh, we did have some feedback from uh, a listener, Dan Noonan, Dan. who had a pet theory on some southern Australian panthers, which are the, the back end of dark swamp wallabies disappearing into the bush, near black fur, long-rounded tails, but most sightings just big moggies. Mm. Saw one in the bush near King Lake that could easily eat a calf, just a cat, but they do get fucking big. And especially in that real King Lake dark. Mm. It's not quite as dark as Gippsland Dark. Or no. is it? Or It's pretty dark. Okay. You see a bloody big swamp wallaby or a big moggy in that King Lake dark. The real dark. The real dark. It could be anything. Yeah. All right. Having gotten that housekeeping out of the way. Thank you, Dan, by the way. Uh, if you have your own pet theories about anything we're talking about, yeah, send them in. Yeah, do get in touch. Also, you know how in the early episodes we're always like, don't add us. Don't add us with corrections of like, well, it wasn't in 1983, it was 1982. Uh, I don't care about that. Yeah, all right, you're like, but yeah. I don't want to have a culture where we're discouraging people from adding us. Yeah, add us with cool stuff. Because what I've discovered is I love being added. Okay. Yeah. All right. At me. Breaking news, like immediately after the last episode this happened. So it's not that breaking. Hmm. Uh, don't edit in any klaxon alarm sounds again. Thank oh, you. Why not? They were good. It was really jarring. Uh, was it a bit loud? 
Maybe a little bit. What was this for? I didn't have. Did heard you not listen, listen, listen to last week? He doesn't no. listen. Little bombshell. I do sometimes. Now. It's like I listen to. I had to listen to these dickheads once. Yeah. I, it was a bomb, and then a hip hop horn. Right. The announcement. All right. We don't need that again. But immediately after the last episode, you might recall PK Peter Kirshner, the Burke Street hoax guy, mm. who was too busy with the cricket to investigate the Burke Street hoax at first. <laughs> But managed to <laughs> turn it into his whole fucking life. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now T20 is over. Managed to completely fuck up his life by making YouTube videos about how uh, no car ever went down Burke Street. He got kicked off YouTube, we revealed in the last episode, subsequent to which he announced his retirement. He was no longer going to be a truth-seeking journalist. Neck minute, less than 24 hours after that, this guy in Texas. Austin, Texas. Austin, Texas. Uh, side Truth? Side it? Thorn. Side Thorn. Like a thorn in your side. Yeah. Real name? Robert Ussery. Walked into a into Google headquarters. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Wait a second. No. He walked into a Google Fiber office. Yep. Which is like Google's ISP. They do fiber internet. It's basically a retail shop that he yeah. walked into. He walked into a Telstra shop. Yeah. It also looked like maybe a bit of a co-working space or something. Yeah, a little creative space. Yeah. yeah. Where you can obviously use internet to do your work. Yeah. Yeah. So he's walked into a Google Fiber office. He goes up to like the reception desk where I guess they either point you towards, oh, it's like, oh, I'm here. I've booked in to use the co-working space. Oh, yeah, just head over to grab, those. Grab desk 12 over yeah, there. Just, just grab, a, grab a bean bag. There's some water in the bloody watering thing. Or they're like, oh, my business would like fibre internet. They're like, I'll just pop over to our sales guy, Dan. No worries. Dan's a good salesman. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. So he walks up to her and he's like, we represent several Several (laughs) YouTubers. And uh, we've got got some information that you're going to want to hear. Yeah. YouTube. You guys own YouTube, right? You guys do Google. And she's like, uh, we're Google Fiber. Yeah. And he's like, well, YouTube is Google, right? And she's like, well, it's <laughs> <laughs> Alphabet is the parent company and, you know, they own they own Google, which, you know, does YouTube. And they also, they own Google Fiber, which is what th- this is. And, and you know, we do, we're an IS, it's an internet thing. And he's like, right. So you're so Google. You're Google. <laughs> <laughs> she has a really clear pyramid thing with her hands. Yes. On the video to explain that there's a parent company and then there's YouTube and there's Google and then there's us over here and we're not connected at all to Google. <laughs> Sorry, what shape was it? Oh. oh. <laughs> so this is another example of people on the internet not understanding how basic society works. Yeah. Like she had to explain to him the idea of a large company with a parent group. Yeah. They don't, she doesn't control like behind that desk. She just doesn't have access to the head of YouTube. Yeah. (laughs) So eventually he's like, look, there's got to be like some sort of senior management here that I can talk to about this. And she's like, yeah, I'll get someone. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Cause I'm not getting paid enough for this. It's like, from her perspective, clearly she's got to escalate this anyway. Yeah. So she's like, all right, I'll get someone. She gets a guy to come out or whoever. Salesman Dan. Whoever. Yeah, whoever it is. And this guy's like, this Bob Ustery guy's like, is there somewhere 
private we can talk. He's like, yep, no worries, come through to this room. And I'm watching this, I'm like, don't go into a room with this guy. Would not be walking into a bloody. But I guess from their perspective, they're like, well, it's better that we, whatever is going to happen. Doesn't happen in front of all of our lovely co-working customers. Yeah. So they Writing go, their blogs. Yeah. <laughs> they go into this room and Sidethorn starts laying out what has happened, which is that PK and some other channel as well have been shut down and there's all of this stuff going on. The guy's like, yeah, but you understand this is Google Fiber. <laughs> and they pretty much have the same conversation again. He's like, look, I'm going to have to get someone. And so he goes and gets, I guess, his boss which is like this African-American lady. She wasn't wearing a T-shirt with Google on it where everyone was. So obviously she's- Yeah, she's yeah. a little bit higher up. Yeah. So she comes in, he's like, Sidethorn's like, oh, I know you. You were in Alex Jones's video. And she's like, I don't think so. No, I wasn't. Ap- <laughs> apparently Alex Jones had come to the same office and done pretty much the same thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and so she explains that, you know, no, we're not Google. He's like, oh, well, Alex Jones has like mis- been very misleading. <laughs> so- and they're still like, I don't really know what you're talking about. But, it's like, it's <laughs> but then weird. they lay into Alex Jones. Yeah, he, he starts <laughs> complaining that Alex Jones has misled everyone. But it's like, maybe this is like a moment where you should be realizing that you've, you're not in the right place. You're not in the right place and that you're a bit cooked. No, he doesn't though, does he? But it's funny because it's like, we looked at this Alex Jones video and it's there's this other African-American woman yeah. in that who kicks Alex Jones out. And it's like, it's clear that she knows that that's the mistake he's made. Yeah. That- he's just been racist and he's been like, oh, you're that that African-American woman from that other video. She's like, oh, God. More, so that, more than one of us. But you know what he's got? One. He's just got a bit of negrofatigue.com. Yeah, so we did – we'll have to skip out and explain that so you don't sound completely cooked. <laughs> <laughs> we, I looked up his uh, – so I looked up his uh, who is on his website mm. and I found his real name and everything. And then I decided to look at like other websites he had registered and he's got all of these websites registered like around like texasdirtweed.com. Yeah, all this like weed. What's Texas Dirtweed? Well, you know, weed you, know in what, Texas? you know what weed is? Yep. Like marijuana? Oh, devil's cabbage. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so he's got like all these cannabis related websites. Yeah. He's got all these websites that seem to be like for legitimate businesses in Houston, Texas, but they're not set up. And then he's got this super racist sounding one called negrofatigue.com. And so we've got- If we had any doubt that this guy was racist as. <laughs> yeah. So first strike is all black women look the same. Second strike is he's got this website negrofatigue.com, which isn't actually set up, but mm. the URL sounds dodgy. I'd say maybe the third strike is he got arrested at a White Lives Matter protest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, it's- that, that's just an interesting bit of subtext for how she deals with him. She deals with him so well. Yeah, she's great. She hears out this whole fucking cooked thing about- He, he writes some things down as well. Yeah. About how they're going to take a stand, they're going to start picketing. Yeah, he's like, look, we're not threatening you, but we'll bring an army down here. Yeah. <laughs> and we'll be picketing you every day. And she, he's like, you know, the people at Google are really going to want to hear what we have to say about this. And she's like, yep, no worries. I'll pass that on. All right. Thanks. Even though that we're not Google. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, we're not, we're not affiliated with Google at all, but uh, we'll pass, I'll pass that along. 
Literally like a franchise store. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing oh, I can do. It's It was such a frustrating video to watch. Then he goes ahead to everyone in their little co-working spaces and hands them out cooked fires for like what they're trying to do. Very well mannered doing it, but it's yeah, also yeah. kind of aggressively mannered. Yeah. yeah. And like, also he does say that he's from Google when he's doing that. Yeah. When he oh, goes right. out, he's like, he's Google like, wants you to know this. Google <laughs> wants you to have this. I feel like if Google wanted to know something, they could just insert it into our bloody Just put it in our Gmails. But yeah, he yeah. also- Or our mind chips. Yeah. He mentions that he was on a TV show. What's the context for him mentioning that? It's just showing he's legitimate, right? I think he, he was talking about how no one died at any of these things. I should know because I was an actor on the NBC show Revolution yeah. and I've been in all these crisis acting training exercises. Yeah. And on his video, on his YouTube channel, there's a couple of videos of him filming undercover at things where it's like, this is a crisis actor training course. And what are they? Just well, no, what they, they're emergency training courses. Ah, okay, yeah. They're things where like they they do because it is a thing to have like people act out a crisis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that they can train for a real crisis. Yeah, like Every a, now and again, you see it in the news. Oh, there's there's a thing they're doing a training thing on the highway this yeah. this afternoon. Yeah, a live it's going to disrupt traffic. It's a live simulation of a crash. Yeah. So that's a real thing, but like in their weird cooked worldview where nothing bad ever happens. Why do they need to do those ones? Mm. So they put on, are these dress rehearsals for the real fake yeah. accidents? Because that's a bit stupid. Yes. And the fact that they do, then when they're doing these real ones, they fuck everything up so badly and they're all on their phone or whatever. Yeah. And how come Sidethor never gets cast in the real ones? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, because they know who he is. They're just letting but a little they, bit of a- This is the thing. He's like- Controlled he release. He doesn't show his face on these videos so that they don't catch him out, even though clearly they could just look up the attendance records for these things that he's filmed <laughs> and be like, oh, there he is. And also it took me five minutes or less to find his real name. Yeah. He's the one that's offering the reward to $20,000. Yeah, twenty thousand dollars. No, isn't that a hundred thousand dollars? No, well, he he. There's two rewards. He's he's got a hundred thousand dollar reward for anyone who can prove the Manchester Ariana Grande bombing thing happened. Yeah. But he also offered up fifty thousand, but got talked down to twenty thousand because it's more realistic sounding for anyone who can show footage of the car going down Burke Street. Right. And he also has like a reward out for like uh, the Sandy Hook. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. He just said that. No, you said it? no, no, Manchester. Oh, yeah, he does have Sandy Hook one as well. Manchester one as well, yeah. But yeah, now has he gone back? Yes. Did you see that? I, I haven't seen this yet. Posted a link, he goes back. He goes back to Google. Right, just to follow up, yeah. touch base. Just touch base. And what happened when he went back? He goes in and he goes, oh, can I see uh, a manager, please? I was here on Tuesday or whatever. Yeah. And you, all, you all would have heard about my visit. So he goes in, she's like, you know, hang on. And then- he turns around and that guy who he spoke to last time comes over and he's like, "Oh, hey, how's it going?" Uh, he goes, "Oh, I just wanted to come in and follow up, see how things, see how things went. What'd you hear back from corporate?" And the guy's like, uh, "Well, we we sent everything off, but they're not gonna they're not gonna communicate back to us. We're not an agent of the situation. No, we do not care. It's been given to them, and we've been told that it, it will go to legal, and they're not gonna they're not gonna tell us anything. It's gonna go from there." to wherever it needs to go. He's like, oh, so you, but surely you can get a, some sort of idea of what's happening. He's like, no, we're actually not associated at all with Google. <laughs> They're not, we're not Google. 
we're a, and then some other girl comes up and says something about we're we're a retail store. <laughs> oh, but yeah, you should be able to find. And it's just the same frustrating conversation over again. But his little flunky misses. Yeah, I can't remember what her name is. I think Seriously. we worked that it was conspiracy grandma. Yeah. Conspiracy grandma. She is the worst fucking antagonist because she's just standing there next to him, going, "It's just gonna get worse." It's just going to get worse. It's going to keep happening. We're going to come down here. It's just going to get worse. It's like, don't bring her. <laughs> no, don't don't go at all. Yeah, don't, so she's, no, no she's any harping on that shit next to them the whole time. He doesn't care about getting her on camera. She's just yeah. like, but um, then, he, then he just goes, all right, thanks. And they, he, oh, he's got an updated flyer that he leaves with him. And they, then he's out of there. Uh, PK was very touched. He put up a video. He's still putting up videos. Yeah, YouTube. so he hasn't retired no. in the slightest. But he was he's very touched that Sidethorn's gone into bat and I think everyone's really proud of what he's, Sidethorn's done. Yeah. Which is really going to a random shop and give people flyers. Yeah. He's done nothing. Yeah. And I think, yeah, the day after PK's big emotional fuck all this shit, I'm retiring video, like he put a video up about something else. Yeah. yeah. He, I think he did the, yeah, one of the London ones. Yeah, something about yeah. He can't remember. resist. He loves to he loves to post. If you guys, if people want to send us a flyer yep. via the internet, where can they find us? Yeah, at uh, Hypothopod on Twitter, Hypothetical Institute on Facebook, and of course you can uh, leave us a review or a rating on iTunes. Have we had any more reviews or anything? No, still yeah. 14, 14 ratings. I'd love to read a a little couple of sentence reviews. From a couple of people, It'd be great. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I, I get a real, I get a real uh, get jazzed up when yeah. I read them. Ooh, jazzed up. Can you not say that? Love when Robert gets jazzed up. Yeah, super jazzed. If you want to see my uh, how jazzed up I do get, at Isle of a Time or Isle of a everywhere on the internet. Yeah, Andrew, uh, Andrew Saltmarsh illustration on the Facebook or at Saltmarsh on the Twitter, and at Sexenheimer for me on the Twitter or. Gather around me on Facebook and iTunes for my other podcast. Sounds like that was an instruction. Gather around me, everyone. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Yeah. Don't worry about a thing. Except if all our world leaders are alien reptilians. Supply contains mind altering drugs. Don't worry about a thing. Except whether or not Port Arthur was a false flag operation in which to disarm Australia. I said, don't worry about a thing. I accept. You can definitely hear John Lennon say, I buried Paul at the end of Strawberry Fields forever. Not only did Bush do 9 11, but he also keeps the planes out in Area 51, which let's not forget where all of the aliens.